0: Chapter 3 of Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius Book 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by morendo 7 Discourses on the First Decade of Titus Livius Book 2 by Niccolò Machiavelli Translated by Ninian Hill Thompson Chapter 3 that Rome became great by destroying the cities which lay round about her and by readily admitting strangers to the rights of citizenship. Crescit interia Roma albe ruinis. Meanwhile, Rome grows on the ruins of Alba. They who would have their city become a great empire must endeavour by every means to fill it with inhabitants, for without a numerous population no city can ever succeed in growing powerful. This may be effected in two ways, by gentleness or by force. By gentleness, when you offer a safe and open path to all strangers who may wish to come and dwell in your city, so as to encourage them to come there of their own accord. By force, when after destroying neighboring towns, you transplant their inhabitants to live in yours. Both of these methods were practised by Rome, and with such success that in the time of her sixth king there dwelt within her walls 80,000 citizens fit to bear arms. For the Romans loved to follow the methods of the skilful husbandman, who, to ensure a plant growing big and yielding and maturing its fruit, cuts off the first shoots it sends out, that the strength remaining in the stem it may in due season put forth new and more vigorous and more fruitful branches. And that this was a right and a necessary course for Rome to take for establishing and extending her empire is proved by the example of Sparta and Athens, which, although exceedingly well-armed states and regulated by excellent laws, never reached the same greatness as the Roman Republic, though the latter, to all appearance, was more turbulent and disorderly than they, and, so far as laws went, not so perfectly governed. For this we can offer no other explanation than that already given. For, by augmenting the numbers of her citizens in both the ways named, Rome was soon able to place 280,000 men under arms, while neither Sparta nor Athens could ever muster more than 20,000. And this not because the situation of these countries was less advantageous than that of Rome, but simply from the difference in the methods they followed. For Lycurgus, the founder of the Spartan Republic, thinking nothing so likely to relax his laws as an admixture of new citizens, did all he could to prevent intercourse with strangers. With which object, besides refusing these the right to marry, the right of citizenship and all such other social rights as induce men to become members of a community, He ordained that in this republic of his the only money current should be of leather, so that none might be tempted to repair thither, to trade, or to carry on any art. Under such circumstances, the number of the inhabitants of that state could never much increase. For as all our actions imitate nature, and it is neither natural nor possible that a puny stem should carry a great branch, so a small republic cannot assume control over cities or countries stronger than herself. Or doing so will resemble the tree whose boughs, being greater than its trunk, are supported with difficulty and snapped by every gust of wind, as it proved with Sparta. For after she had spread her dominion over all the cities of Greece, no sooner did Thebes rebel than all the others rebelled likewise, and the trunk was left stripped of its boughs. But this could not have happened with Rome, whose stem was mighty enough to bear any branch with ease. It was therefore, by adding to her population and by adopting certain other methods presently to be noticed, that Rome became so great and powerful. And this is well expressed by Titus Livius in the words Crescit interia Roma albe ruinis. End of chapter 3